He'd have his kingdom, and you know, maybe he went off to war, he would leave a steward in charge of his kingdom. Now that steward is not the king, but he's taking care of things kind of in the king's absence. He's overseeing the kingdom in the king's absence. That, that's kind of like what elders are to do in the church. They're called this, God's stewards. So we know that elders are to, to lead and oversee because they are called overseers. But, but the Bible doesn't just call them overseers. It also assumes and tells us that, that elders are the leaders and overseers. So in 1 Timothy 3.5, we looked at this last week. Paul says, for if someone, speaking of elders, if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? In other words, what he's implying is, Part of the job of an elder is to manage the church. So if you can't manage your home, you're not going to be able to manage the church either. So that's part of the duty of an elder is to manage or to oversee, to lead the church. And in another text, a couple chapters later in 1 Timothy, in chapter 5, we see the same Greek word used to manage in a different context. Look what it says. Paul says, let the elders who rule, and that's the same word, to manage, to lead, to rule, Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. Now, rule kind of sounds funny to our ears, but it has this idea of management or leadership. So according to Paul here, this is all the elders are supposed to do this. And the ones who do it well are are worthy of double honor. So this is just definitional to what it means to be a pastor in the church, to what it means to be an elder in the church. This is the God-given responsibility of the pastors. Peter makes this exceedingly clear in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'll kind of skip around. He says, so I exhort the elders among you. So again, he's addressing the elders. He goes on to say, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Now, what does this look like? Exercising oversight. Not under compulsion, but willingly. In other words, don't do this because you have to, but because you want to. As God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not for money, but because you love the people. Not domineering over those in your charge. In other words, you're to lead by being a servant. The elders are to exercise oversight, not because they're being forced to, but because they want to serve God in this way. And they're not to do it in a domineering way. In other words, they're to lead, right? True leadership is is not like a dictatorial kind of authoritarian leadership. True leadership cares for the people under it and leads for their sake, not for one's own. Under a true leader, the people want to follow. And this is how the elders are to lead. This is what God's word says, is, is how the elders are to manage the affairs of the church. Willingly, eagerly. With a servant's heart. Ultimately, the elders are to lead just as Christ did. Christ led his people by giving up everything for them, even his life. And and in the same way, the pastors of the church are called to give their lives over to serve and lead the people of God. So the the pastors are to oversee, to lead, to manage. But but notice what none of these texts said this, none of these texts said that the pastors are to do all the ministry of the church. 
They're to oversee the ministry of the church. In other words, the people of the church are the ones doing the ministry of the church under the leadership and oversight of the pastors. Ephesians 4.12 says that the ministry of the preachers and teachers of the church is to equip the saints to do the work of ministry. Not to do it themselves, but to join with the congregation in the work of ministry. So, So a good overseer, a good elder, will equip you to do the work of the ministry and will lead you in the right way of doing it. Biblical elders, in other words, aren't control freaks. They're not micromanagers. Biblical pastors don't feel like they have to do everything themselves. Rather, a biblically faithful elder equips the people of God to obey the commands of God. So, when the elders are leading the church, they they aren't just following their, their own wisdom and intuitions. We're not just coming up with this. They are leading the church, not just whatever they came up with that week, not wherever some big guru says. They are leading the church after Jesus Christ. As pastor elders, we are, to use the words of Scripture, stewards of God, put in this role by the Holy Spirit to oversee the church who Christ bought with his own blood. It's it's as if Christ has said to to the pastors and elders, this is my bride. I bought her with my life. Take care of her. And this is why we don't follow after our own wisdom. The church is not my bride. The church is not yours. The church is Christ's. And so we go according to his word. And this is quite a sobering reality. Scripture teaches us that the elders are accountable to God for how they lead the church. Scriptures teach that at the judgment seat, the leaders of the church will give an account for the souls that God had placed under their care. We will stand before God and give an account for how we led the church. We're not giving an account to anyone else but to God Himself. And, and this is why when we lead the church, we're always pointing to Scripture and to Jesus Christ. This is why we lead the church not by our own authority, but by the authority of Scripture. Because again, it's not our church. It's His. He has told us this, that the elders are to oversee and lead the church. This is their God-given duty. So that's the first duty of the pastors, of the elders. The second duty... Of the elders that's given to us in Holy Scripture is this the ministry of the Word. What we're doing right now. Pa- pastors are to be the primary teachers of God's Word. We, we are to teach God's Word in such a way that it equips the people of God to do the work of God. Elders are called to labor hard in preaching and teaching. We've seen this all throughout this series. We saw this with the apostles when, when they said, look, you guys have got to appoint someone else to serve the tables because we have to labor hard in prayer and the ministry of the word. We saw this last week. One of the main qualifications for an elder is that he is able to teach, to use Paul's language. It's one of the main qualifications because it's one of the main duties of the elders. But what does this mean? What is, what is the teaching ministry of the pastor supposed to look like? Well, there's, there's two sides to it. There's a positive side and a negative side. On the positive side, the elders are called to preach and teach 
sound doctrine and Christ-like living. To make sure that our doctrine is right and that we're living according to it. Make sure that we're holding to the faith that was passed down from Christ to the apostles and to the church. So our calling is from God is to open the Bible, to tell you what it says, and to seek together to live in obedience to it. That's the positive side. Teach sound doctrine. Teach healthy doctrine. What is in accord with the scriptures. But there's a negative side of the ministry of the word too. The negative side is correcting false doctrine. So the elders are also called in scripture to guard the teaching of the church. We are called by God to rebuke and to gently correct false beliefs that are not in alignment with what God has revealed in his word. Now, there's a ton of passages we could go to to see this, but, but there's two that I want to focus on. And you'll, you'll see this. When, you, when we read these passages, you'll see this positive side, teach sound doctrine, and this negative side, rebuke false doctrine, as we go. The first passage I want to see is, is Titus 1.9. Titus chapter 1, verse 9. Now, in this passage, Paul is describing to Titus what a qualified elder looks like. And here's one of the things he says. Again, speaking of the the hypothetical qualified elder, he says, He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that, so why must he hold firm? So that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine, so there's the positive side, and also to rebuke those who contradict it. You see those, those two aspects. One of the things that was going on in the churches that Titus was working in is that False teachers were secretly invading the churches and drawing people away with false doctrine. Paul says, you need to rebuke them, guard, protect the sheep. Teach right doctrine and rebuke false doctrine. How are you going to know which is which? By holding firm to the trustworthy word. And so again, one of the most fundamental qualifications of a pastor elder is that he is a man who holds his doctrine and his life to the scriptures. Because this is critical to his role. A qualified pastor has to be able to teach rightly and correct gently. He has to be able to protect the sheep from false teachers by exposing them. By rebuking them to use Paul's language. And he has to be able to guide the sheep back to the scriptures when they are tempted to stray after false teaching. This is the role a pastor elder. But, but probably the most famous passage about this aspect of a pastor's ministry comes in, in 2 Timothy. Now, now, 2 Timothy is the Apostle Paul's last letter that we have. He, he writes it to his apprentice, his, his son in the faith, Timothy. And what's amazing about this letter is Paul is at the end of his life. He's about to be beheaded in Rome for his faith. But he sends one last letter to Timothy. And and as I read this, I want you to focus on the solemnity, the the seriousness of the language that Paul uses. It's it's almost got this this sense where when you come to chapter 4, it's like Paul saying, Timothy, you need to take this to heart. This is his last words to his son in the faith. And what does he choose to say? Well, let's read. Turn, turn in your Bibles, if you would, to 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 16. 2 Timothy chapter 3, 
Starting in verse 16. Let's see what Paul has to say. His last words to Timothy. He writes this. All scripture is breathed out by God. Literally, God breathed. And profitable. For teaching. There's the positive side. For reproof. For correction. There's the negative side. And for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Now look what Paul says. Just listen to the language. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove. Rebuke and exhort with complete patience in teaching. Why? For the time is coming, Timothy, when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober minded, endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. You sense the seriousness of of Paul's charge here. You sense the gravity of Timothy's task. And, And in this text, you see the positive and negative. Preach the word. That's the positive. Reprove and rebuke. There's the negative. Paul is saying to Timothy, Timothy... He said the same thing to the Ephesian elders, by the way. There's there's a time coming when the people won't want biblical teaching. They'll they'll run after false teachers because the false teachers make them feel good. But you, Timothy, don't play that game. Stay on task. Stick to the scriptures. Preach the word. When it's cool, in season, and and when it's not cool, out of season. Preach the word. The word. You see, as pastors and elders, we have this same charge. We are accountable to God for the teaching that happens in this church. We are accountable before God for all of the preaching, all of the teaching, and for the theological content being taught in the various ministries of the church. As pastors, we are responsible to God for the souls of the people in our care. We are accountable. We are responsible. God has given us. This responsibility, you see this in this text. But what, what does this mean? Well, I mean, it means that if, if a small group has gathered together and, and is imbibing false and dangerous teaching, that the elders have to put a stop to it. It, it means that if, if a cult is trying to sneak into our congregation and pick off vulnerable sheep, we've got to protect them. And that may sound kind of weird, but that's, I've seen that happen in churches. It means that the pastor elders are responsible for everything that is said from this pulpit. If someone is preaching here and they teach something false, the elders are to follow scripture and gently rebuke, humbly correct the teaching. Why? 
Because this is serious. This is our God-given role, and the truth of God's word is precious to us. And, and you may be thinking, how would something like that even happen? Well, I can tell you what this might look like because it happened to me recently, actually. In fact, right before I came here, um, so I started here in June, right before I left my previous church, there was a situation in which we had to do this. The, the elders had to publicly correct false teaching that came from the pulpit of the church. And it, it really was a beautiful example of the elders guarding and protecting and caring for the people of the church. So here's kind of what happened. Our, our, our church supported many missionaries directly. And we knew these missionaries and we loved them. And occasionally one of them would come home on furlough. And usually they would preach that Sunday. So... That's what happened this Sunday. One of our missionaries who is from Ukraine was scheduled to deliver the sermon on Sunday on Psalm 1. And it's kind of funny. I was actually here. I wasn't there. I was visiting the first time here. Um, so I came back on Monday. I come into the office and I said, hey, how was Sunday? And I could immediately tell that something had happened. Um, talked to the, the senior pastor and he said, I don't know. It was, I don't know. Um, he said something, he said some, there was some weird teaching, I'm not sure what to do about it. Well, Monday night we had an elders meeting, and all of the elders individually, without previously having talked about to each other, all came into the meeting saying, we've got to do something about what happened on Sunday. Now, it wasn't as bad as you might think. Some of the teaching, most of it was just very ambiguous and unclear, and and easily misunderstood. That was kind of the main problem. Basically, it, was easy, it would have easily uh, been understood as kind of a prosperity gospel, health and wealth. Now, he didn't mean that, but it was very ambiguous, very unclear. But a couple of the things he said were just outright, blatantly, demonstrably unbiblical. Just, just wrong. And so, here we are in this elders meeting, and we all agree that this is an issue, um, that we've got to do something, but we don't know what to do. Do we just let it go and assume that no one was really paying that close of attention anyway? Uh, I, I actually, I asked a couple people who were there to just kind of, like people I respect to get a feel for what they got from the sermon. One of the guys asked, he's like, I don't know, I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> Thanks a lot. So maybe that would have been an okay solution, I don't know. Do we write an email to the congregation and just say, hey, here's some things that happened. We want to just correct some things. That would be an option. That would be fine. Well, we prayed about it. We discussed it a lot. And in the end, they decided, since I was leaving anyway, to have me preach. Seriously, that's what they said. Uh, they decided to have me. Actually, that's only partially true. I, I had preached on Psalm 1 like a couple years before. And so they said, well, look, you've preached Psalm 1 before. So why don't you come up the next Sunday, preach Psalm 1 again, and basically clean up the mess that he made. Um, which, which is what I did. It was a, uh, a very sobering and heavy task. And, and we were very humble about it. We contacted the missionary. He was very, very humbly. He apologized and he said, you know what, I'm sorry. Um, he, he accepted it well. And he said, yeah, do that. Um, he's, a, he's a really sweet guy. Loves Jesus. 
Um, but the next Sunday, I got up, kind of explained what was happening, um, and gently and humbly gave a sermon correcting some of the things he said. But the, but the question is, well, why, why to go to the trouble? I mean, are we just being kind of nitpickers? Are, are we just being uptight? Well, no. We were caring for the flock. Someone had stood in our pulpit and said things that were not biblical. And so we had to make sure that no one was going after those ideas. We were taking seriously our, our God-given role as overseers of the ministry of the word in our church. And it's not like this was anything special. We we're just trying to be faithful what God called us to. Remember what Titus 1.9 said, Elders are to hold fast to the word of God. That, that image is, is that you're holding on to something and not letting go no matter what. So the elders are supposed to do that for the church. Even if the church wants to go another direction, the elders say, no, we're sticking to the word. They're to preach the word, teach the word, to publicly read the word, to exhort with the word, to rebuke with the word, to correct with the word, to comfort with the word, to hold fast the word. So that everything that happens in the church is in alignment with the will of the chief shepherd. Jesus Christ. So the elders are to oversee and lead the flock, and the elders are responsible for the ministry of the word in the church. But thirdly, the elders are to be examples to the flock. The elders are to be examples to the flock. The, the pastors of the church are to model Christ-like maturity for the flock to see and imitate. They're to be examples of godliness, worthy of imitation, worthy of imitation and emulation. I don't know what immutation is. <laughs> don't try it at home. <laughs> so I want to show you some of the examples of this in the text. Again, 1 Peter 5, 1 through 3. I won't read the whole thing again, but at the end he says, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Pretty straightforward. Titus 2, 7 through 8 he says this to Titus. Again, Titus is an elder, so by implication, this is for us as well. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. And in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that, that cannot be condemned. So that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. And in 1 Timothy 4, again... Paul writes this to Timothy. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given to you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Then look what he says. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. So remember last week of, of all the character qualifications we saw. I had said that none of these were commanded of the elders that weren't also commanded of every Christian. Well, well, now you know why an elder must be qualified in these things. He must be a model of these things because one of their roles is to be an example to you. So that when you think of this quality, these, these, these good works, you should look to your pastors and they should be a model. They are to be examples of godliness, examples of maturity, examples of self-control, examples of sober-mindedness, of purity, of prayerfulness. 
in every area of life. Again, this is a, a heavy and sobering charge. But I, I love the last line in, in that First Timothy 4 passage. He says, so that all may see your progress. In other words, there's sometimes a strange pressure, and you can kind of understand it, that to be an example, a pastor has to be perfect. Right? I read that text sometimes, I'm like, geez, I mean, I don't know, am I? But elders aren't called to be examples of perfection, but of maturity. And Christian maturity is not perfection. We should be growing in the faith. We should be admitting our weaknesses. We should be confessing our sins. We should be repenting of our sins. So to be an example of godly living is not to be perfect, but to be an example of repentance and confession as well. Strangely as it may sound, the pastors of the church are are to humbly say with the Apostle Paul, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. The elders must be examples to the flock. This is our God-given duty. Oversee and lead. Feed the word to the flock to be examples. And fourthly, the elders are to pray for the flock. The elders are to pray for the flock. James 5.13-15 says this, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Now this one is pretty straightforward. This is exactly what we did Wednesday night. Some of you were there. Our our brother Lance is very sick and so... This is exactly what we did. We gathered around him, anointed him with oil, and prayed for his healing. Why? Because that's what God says to do. Call the elders and have them pray. So, I also want you to know this. If you are a member of this church, you are being prayed for regularly by your pastors. This is our charge from God. We are to pray for the flock. So oversee and lead. Ministry of the word. Be an example. Prayer. Those are the main duties of pastor elders. And this is kind of all summed up in the last one. 1 Peter 5.1. The Bible says that pastor elders are to shepherd the flock of God among them. So the idea of shepherding kind of includes all of these. I mean think of what a, a shepherd does. He leads the sheep. He feeds the sheep. He protects the sheep from wolves and other predators. He cares for the sheep. He binds up the wounds of injured sheep. This is what the call of the shepherds of the church is as well. The pastors, the elders. And so these are our God-given responsibilities. These these are the main ones. There, There are other things said. But as your pastors, we humbly seek to be faithful to these every day. On the days when you like us and even on the days when you don't. We will seek to be faithful to God. And we will seek to train up other men to come alongside us in this noble task. We can only do this by the grace and power of God. So those are the duties and responsibilities of pastor elders. But the pastors aren't the only one with responsibilities. The congregation also has responsibilities to the elders. You might have thought you were off the hook, but you're not. According to the scripture, you, the congregation, have certain obligations and responsibilities to the pastors. Now, now obviously, this, this could be a whole other sermon, so we're just going to go through this really fast. 
But there are four ways that the scripture calls you, the congregation, to respond to the leadership of the elders. Number one, hold the pastors accountable to scriptures and other to the scriptures. In other words, make sure they're doing what we just talked about. You are to be like the Bereans that Paul meets in Acts 17. That as he taught, they examined the scriptures daily to see if what he was saying is true. In the same way, you are to trust your pastors, but not blindly. Test everything we say by the scriptures. The scriptures stand in authority over all of us. It all goes back to the Bible. So you are to hold us accountable to the scriptures. Not to your own preferences, not, not to your own ideas, not to your own traditions, but to the scriptures. Because again, the scriptures are the authority over us all. So you are to hold us accountable to them. Number two, you're called to support your pastors, your elders. We need your support. Pastoral ministry is hard in many ways that you just can't, you can't see visibly. Again, we, we bear this weight of being accountable for souls in the face of God. And there are many different ways to support us, but the best is prayer. Pray for us regularly. If you read Paul's letters, one thing you'll notice is that he's always asking his churches to pray for him. And if the Apostle Paul needed prayer, we need it a lot more. In 1 Timothy 5, he says that, or 1 Thessalonians 5, he says, We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord, the elders, and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. You see, this task is, is bigger than any person, and it's bigger and heavier than any one can bear. And so, you must pray for us. James says that we will be judged more strictly for our teaching. It's a sobering reality. So pray for us. Pray for your pastors. Pray that we would be faithful. Pray that we would remain unwavering in our commitment to Scripture. Pray that we wouldn't fall into temptation. Pray that, that we would be effective in ministry. Pray that we would lead the way that God would have us lead. Pray that we would be faithful to our families and that they would be protected. And pray that our ministry is fruitful. On one of his visits to America, the famous Baptist preacher Charles Spurgeon met an American pastor who, who asked him a question. At this point, Charles Spurgeon was world famous for preaching. And the American pastor said this, I, I have long wished to see you, Mr. Spurgeon, and to put one or two simple questions to you. In our country, there are many opinions as to the secret of your great influence. Would you be good enough to give me your own point of view? So Spurgeon called the Prince of Preachers, probably the most famous preacher to ever live. What is your secret? Here's what he said. My people pray for me. That's the secret to his preaching, to the power of his preaching. My people pray for me. Would you pray for us? Support us in prayer. That's the second one. Number three, follow your pastors joyfully. The writer of Hebrews puts it this way. Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Christ is the head of the church, but he has placed the pastors and elders in charge, and the scriptures plainly teach that you are to follow the leadership. And not just follow, but look at that last verse. Don't be a pain, essentially, is what he's saying. Let them lead with joy and not with groaning. 
right? We've all seen pastors that are in a church that's just just riding them, and they're, I, I've met pastors like that. And unfortunately, churches are known for just chewing up and spitting out pastors. But that is in disobedience to this passage. If the way you act towards your pastors makes them groan, you're disobeying this verse. That doesn't mean you can never disagree. But it does mean that when we express disagreement, again, like for all of us, we should do so respectfully. The pastor elders are bearing this weight of responsibility, caring for your soul. And so the writer of Hebrews says, follow them as they follow Christ. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning. And number four, lastly, aspire to leadership. Paul said this in 1 Timothy 3.1, the saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Simply put, we need more leaders. We need more pastors, elders in this church. We need more deacons. We need more workers. So train yourself. Grow in your faith. By God's grace, grow in holiness so that you would be qualified to lead God's people. Step up in faith. So those are the four things. Hold us accountable to scripture. Support us. Follow us. Aspire to lead alongside us. This is your God-given responsibility as a congregation. And our responsibility as a church under the authority of God's word and under the authority of Jesus Christ himself. So, to my Christian brothers and sisters, the message is simple. Do this. Be faithful to this. Obey the words of Christ our Lord. Place pastors and elders in authority over you who are biblically qualified. And who fulfill these duties and then love them and support them and minister alongside them. And to those who are here today who who don't believe in Christ. Maybe you haven't received Jesus. The call to you is simple. Turn from your sin and place your faith in Christ. The Bible says that God commands all people everywhere to repent and put their faith in Christ for the forgiveness of their sins. So obey the call. Jesus has lived, died, and been resurrected and declared in power to be the Son of God, ruling and reigning now. And in Jesus alone you will find rest for your weary souls. And he says, come to me. There's no amount of good works you can do and there's no amount of bad works that can keep you away because salvation in Christ is by faith alone. So today, I would beg you, turn. Turn from your own sins. Turn from your own works. Turn from trusting in yourself and trust in Christ. Believe on Him. Trust Him. And and you will find Him to be all satisfying because in Him, you will have eternal life. And when you have done that, join us in membership. Join us as we seek to follow Christ together. And so we conclude our series on the church, Christ's Bride. I'd like to conclude with a word of Scripture. Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this is 